The red of the recording cannot stop the cough. No, it is not a lozenge. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast. I'm Rob Fiorentino. I'm here with my co-hosts, Carney. Hello, Carney. Hello. And Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, everyone. And Dave, we're going to start with you. We are excited to hear the uh, follow-up on the Presto Pizzazz Plus. I know for a fact you've used it a couple of times, or at least once, because I saw pictures. What's what's your impression so far? Uh, So far, I am actually very happy with the thing. Um, We've tried a pizza, which is, I think, was designed for. That worked out really well. We've done some stuffed mushrooms. We've done some uh, bratwursts, some hot dogs, huh. and and then just uh, a casual warming up of uh, things like chocolate chip cookies, and uh, it's been mm. great for all of them. Um, I really, I don't know if maybe the target audience for this device, maybe they wouldn't spring for the extra money, but if it had a, a rotation speed adjustment... Um, I'd pay an extra 20 bucks for it. But other than that, it is really nice. Does it go at uh, 33 and a third RPMs or what? No, it goes really slowly. I, I I don't have a time for it. It probably takes about 30 seconds to do a full rotation. Two RPM. <laughs> math, I'm a little slow on the math tonight, apparently. Well, I was trying to give you nice, easy numbers. Thank but, you. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the other part, which kind of strange is it's only balanced in the center and so what do you mean by that well there's there's a a, a point at the very center of the disc that uh, drops onto a little spindle and it it balances there and it only balances there if you of course if you keep your weight evenly distributed across it so oh i see so you can't just do like one hot dog you've got to do at least two well, you, maybe it'd be even better. Yeah, you can you can do one, but you have to plop it straight in the center, which actually still works out fairly well. But oh, okay. Um, yeah, it looked from the ba- looks of it, I wasn't sure how how. But apparently, yeah. it gets hot enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think it would, especially for a hot dog, you're you're not actually looking for cooking. You're you're just looking for a little, you know, if you brown the ends up a little bit and warm the middle. So this thing will actually brown a bratwurst. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I um, I don't know that I took photos of of that, but yeah, absolutely. I look forward to more <laughs> reports uh, as as needed. But so far, you're saying thumbs up. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's like all kitchen appliances. We're going to have to find a place to store it. That's its biggest problem. But uh, I I see a lot of potential for it, so I'm happy. How is it? Is it fast or is it? I mean, is it kind of like slower than putting something in the oven or toaster oven? Uh, well, I don't have uh, the the benchmark that might be common. Maybe you're familiar with like a take and bake pizza, mm-hmm. so it's not frozen. It's room temperature ish, slightly slightly chilled. And uh, about a 13-inch one of those, put it on there, and I think it was probably ready to go in about 14 minutes. And I suppose if it was done in the oven, maybe it was going to be a 11-minute pizza. Gotcha. So it's probably a little bit faster when you factor in preheat time. 
Uh, well, we actually have a sm- nice uh, small pizza oven. Oh. But for yeah, for the average person with a big old oven, for sure, because there is no preheat. You just plug it in and it it starts going. Um, well, that's a benefit for sure. Because yeah, it takes me like seven or eight minutes to get mine. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Ditto. Ditto. Yeah, and so it's got a top element, a bottom element. The top element is you know direct radiant heat on whatever you're cooking. It's about it draws about seven hundred watts, but it doesn't tell you that much about how much heat gives out because I can't tell you how long the coil is. But uh, let me ask a question here: Is does it brown both? I mean, I'm I'm trying to visualize bratwurst here. Um, if you're doing a brats, is it do you have to turn them at all, or does it manage to cook both sides at once, or I mean, how does it work with something like bratwurst? Yeah, if you want them to be browned, then you do have to turn them. Um, okay. Because the, the the bottom part, it applies heat, but it's far, you know, it's definitely diminished by the fact that there's a, a metal. I think the bottom and the top elements are the same, and the bottom element is shielded by a metal disc. So, How does it handle drippings and stuff like that? I mean... I presume that it doesn't just sling them all over the place like a berserk merry-go-round. <laughs> well, at at two RPM, no, there's no there's no centrifugal grease fly flying off. But um, well, okay. So when I do it, it's got a what I call a nonstick surface on the top of the platter. And when I did a pizza, I just dropped it right on the platter, and it worked great. It just slid right off, slick as a whistle. Um, when I do brats or anything like that, I drop a little sheet of uh, aluminum foil on the top of it, so I can, you know, it makes it really easy to clean. But yeah, so it doesn't have an edge or anything. You have to provide it yourself with a tin foil. Okay. Well, okay. So the bottom part of the disc is dimpled, and there is a slight, uh, slightly raised edge all the way around. So okay uh, if you if you did have a little bit of moisture like a little oil or something come off uh, it wouldn't immediately just just go off but it handles the crust of a pizza pretty well even though it's got that little disc thing on the bottom i mean obviously it's just kind of designed for that right well it's kind of their marketing hype but it uh, there's I, I feel there's some truth to it so you, you the control you have is not how fast the, the platter spins but whether you're running heat to the top the bottom or both and so if you want to crisp up the bottom, you, you can run that longer. Or if you want to crisp up the top, you run that longer. Or you can you know, run them in parallel. So you, you, you adjust how crispy the crust is to a great degree by how, how you choose to heat the pizza. Okay, so you might, if you wanted it like extra, or maybe you didn't want it quite as crispy on the bottom, like the last four minutes you could turn off the bottom heating element or whatever. Yep, yep. Um, my ratio turned into being I ran fifty fifty for about the first eleven minutes, and then I just, I think I just turned on the top element to uh, as I drizzled on some, well, drizzled, sprinkled on some cheese as it rotated, which is another nice thing, you know. In a oven, you'd have to pull it out and mess around with it. This thing, I just sprinkled cheese for thirty seconds, and the whole thing was covered. I'm kind of starting to think that there's a there might be a place for this in my life. And we don't need enough pizza <laughs> for to, to have a, yet another damn appliance, but it sure sounds like it's better than most of these. I mean, it just seems like there's always a gadget flavor of the month, you know, 
that's on the TV that's, buy this and you can cook this and it'll do all your cooking needs and it'll be wonderful and healthy. <laughs> and, you know, what it is is a pink elephant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, well, I had two thoughts on it about like college days. It would be awesome for somebody in college who's always, you know, bringing home food that we probably don't eat anymore at our age, but. Well, um, or shouldn't eat anymore at our age. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but the other part of it was, um, I'm going to go ahead and name him since uh, I'm sure he's not listening. My roommate, his name was Russ, and if he had this device near him, it would have been broken in the first week. <laughs> so, <laughs> Russ was definitely a piece of work. You know, his his lack of subtlety in all things physical uh, would have manifested itself, you know, in a broken platter interface. <laughs> I remember him being very enthusiastic about a lot of things. Well, he, he was just... But not cleaning. <laughs> well, when he cleaned, he was very enthusiastic. It just wrote, it came once a quarter. <laughs> well, say, all right, there you go. So th- those are my two observations. Is you know, For college, it would be awesome if you have roommates that you can trust with precision equipment it's this is not a precision device but you have to treat it like one or it won't last very long all right excellent we look forward to further presto pizzazz plus reports as as uh, warranted by events so uh we had some uh, Kuiper Belt uh, follow-up, uh, I believe. Kind of, yes, yes. The Ultima Tool flyby by the Horizon, New Horizons probe. Um, we're going to be getting data back for the next 20-odd months, so there isn't much to report yet. But the flyby was successful, and they did get some low-res pictures that confirmed that Ultima Thule is a contact binary which is exciting for all kinds of reasons that probably our listeners don't care about. But it's it's basically, it's a 20-mile snowball and a 10-mile snowball touching and rotating around that common axis. Yeah, the images are not really like something you would see in a science fiction movie. They look... It looks almost like two cells that are under a microscope or something. <laughs> yeah. The the pictures will get much better when they get the high-res stuff. I think it, they're going to have resolu- resolution down to 25 meters, which is really good for space stuff, especially for 5 billion miles out. But for right now, it, it still has the planetary science people all excited. Well, I'm trying to remember the cameras that we had in 2007, 2008 commercially were these are the cameras on this thing better than that? or um, They're completely and utterly different for a lot of reasons, including the fact that they need to be low light. Is that you're looking at, if I'm, I may be pulling this number out of my butt, but I think that it's less than a tenth of 1% of the light that you get on Earth at that location. So it's basically like shooting, you know, as dark as it ever gets on earth with those cameras and um but they're not collecting a lot of photons right it's it's a very sensitive camera i mean it's the it's designed for you know a 20-year space trip out to the outer edges of the solar system you know it can function in in conditions that any camera that a normal consumer would have would immediately squeak roll over and die so (laughs) 
You know, I'm not sure it's it's your question can be answered, Dave. I think they're completely separate things. Okay, well that that you know that makes sense now that you say that. It's not designed with the same things in mind that we, you know, a camera for our pockets right. versus a camera. I mean, it, I assume that this thing can point at whatever it's looking at and grab light over the course of minutes, though, right? You know, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, obviously, any camera is going to have some kind, you know, electronic camera is going to have some kind of time-lapse capability, you know, or exposure capability. But I really think that it's, it's a pretty fast camera um, because it's you're talking about they're taking pictures of a moving object from another object that's moving at 50,000 kilometers an hour. So I'm not sure the precision exists to just do a time-lapse or not time lapse, a, a long exposure. Well, to be a devil's advocate there, I mean, you, both divide, uh, both things are moving at high rate of speed, but relative to each other, they know exactly what they're doing. It's not like uh, they're swerving and jumping up and down. And not really, because that's the thing. There's is that until the flyby, it's so far out there that even with the Hubble telescope, they couldn't pin down the exact axis of rotation, so they didn't know exactly how to control a camera like that. So, you know, the the, the longer the, the exposure, the more blurring you would have gotten. Okay. Well, we'll have to follow that up on some future cast because I'm, I'm kind of curious about the camera. Not not that I actually want one, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to look into it before we do in the next podcast and see if I... Because if a lot of the stuff they release is, is saccharine you know techno babble that doesn't actually tell you anything detail wise of what you know but i'll see if i can find out what their main camera can do find the find the white paper on the camera oh god (laughs) well and then the the images that they release over time from this or any of the other things i i don't read it closely enough to know maybe you know do they say oh yeah this has been photoshopped 35 percent you know can you get the raw image, or is it just the pretty stuff that goes on the web? To answer your question, yes to both. Is that they do they do tinker with a lot of the stuff to get you know to sharpen up the picture, run it through various algorithms, but you can get the raw data. Yeah, and if you go to NASA's website, um, they have an extensive photo library, photo and vi- high resolution video library um, that anybody can just kind of download their stuff at will, and and since it's a uh, and do science. <laughs> And do science with it, or do other, do whatever you want with it. You can do art with it too. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's all public domain uh, because it's been done by government employees. So we've already paid for it. Yeah, and money well spent, in my opinion. Let's, uh, Carney, let's talk about Virgin Galactic. Okay, this is more of a a bitch session. So listener beware. Is that the? And I want to say that my criticism is not directed to the people at Virgin Galactic or Branson or any of those. They're just trying to do a business, which is, you know, basically a, a roller coaster ride up above most of the atmosphere. My big complaint is all the stories you read about, oh, space travel, space tourism, going out into space, you're going to be an astronaut. The reality of it is that the bloody thing that they're showing in all the pictures is less capable than the X-1 that Chuck Yeager flew back in 1960, actually before 1960, is that the top speed of this latest flight it had, it managed to get up to Mach 2.8, 
It had to be carried up to 30,000 feet by a carrier airplane. And once they launched that thing, it might as well have been a bullet out of a gun because it was going to go in one place and then it was going to fall to Earth. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a toy. I mean, it's a toy to sell rides on is what it is. Uh, give me a little context on this, though. This is the yeah. This is a space tourism venture. Though I and what and what happened recently? Well, I, I'm, I yeah, I gathered that from oh, okay. from contextual clues. <laughs> what <laughs> happened this week, though that, uh, that that brought it to our attention? Well, they had a, t- a test flight, a very successful test flight, where it got carried up to its launch altitude. They um, dropped it from the mothership. Then they fired up the dinky little engine, and it went up to I want to say thirty five miles. Um, at which point it fluttered back down and did a glider landing at its home base, you know, which was all very successful. You know, they've got a, a hybrid rocket motor, which is a one use kind of deal. You can't turn it off. You can throttle it, but you can't turn it off. And the, the vehicle itself can't really take, you know, SpaceX type stresses, but right. within within its capabilities, it did very well. So it's ba- so like you said, it's just basically a ride. Would I, sounds like it'd kind of be fun though. Oh yeah, I if I had the money, I would sign up for it. I mean, yeah, I would do it. I just wouldn't tell myself that I'm you know an astronaut paving the way into you know the unknown frontier. Sure. Well, they got to sell some merchandise, so you know you got to get the hat and the shirt and. Here, here. Let me give you. Let me give you an idea of what the, their accomplishment is. Is that if they manage to get it up to which they haven't yet, if they manage to get it up to the Carmen line, which is the quote official unquote start of space, which is what they're shooting for, which is about sixty three miles, they will have gone three times higher than the highest manned balloon. So there you go. It's three times better than a balloon. Okay. So the the question now is, how much would you pay for a ride? Well, to how much money do I have? Then I'll tell you how much of that I'll pay for a ride. <laughs> well, I asked you, not Mr. You know, Generic. Oh, well, I couldn't afford it. So <laughs> there, problem no, no. solved. You, you could afford it if you say I would. it's worth $20 to me or 200 oh, or no, 2000 no. I would probably pay $10,000 for a ride. And that's not a trivial amount. For, I mean, that... that I don't think that's a trivial amount for most people. No, but I mean, it'd be it'd be a thing of a lifetime kind of experience. Yeah, you could jump out of an airplane. My wife did that. I think she had quite a good time. I've actually wanted to do that. Yes, that cheaper for than ten thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a lot less than ten thousand dollars. Yeah, but would she do it twice? That's always the question when you're talking about jumping out of an airplane. Would you do it the I'll, second uh... time? <laughs> <laughs> Well, she hasn't done it since, and it's been about uh, four or five years, I think, so probably not. There's a line in the Green Berets movie with John Wayne. I forget the context, but there's some guy that there that's going with the Green Berets, and he's going to jump out of the plane with the Green Berets, and he's all nervous, and he asks John Wayne, Do you lot, is there a lot of problems with getting people to jump? And John Wayne goes, no, no, we never have any problems getting people to jump the first time. It's the second time we have problems. <laughs> and uh, speaking of movies, let's uh, move on to our next topic, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, yes. I want to hear uh, what you think. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be happy to tell you. Uh, so, Carney, you've seen this movie, and Dave, you have not seen it. Is that correct? I've seen it. That's correct. 
And if you're listening, we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So I want to skip forward a few minutes if if you have not seen it and want to see it. But uh, no, I absolutely loved this movie. I it was uh, probably well, it was certainly my favorite animated movie of the year. And I can't think of a even a live action movie that I liked even more. It was certainly better. It was certainly the best uh, superhero movie I liked better than the than Ant Man and the Wasp and the Avengers. It was great. No, it was great. I mean, it was great from a technical point of view. It was great from a storytelling point of view. It was very cool to. I loved lots and lots of the little gags. Yeah, um, yeah. I loved. I loved how they uh, they they kind of constantly uh, <laughs> redid the origin story and. 30 seconds for each new character that came out. <laughs> yes. I got bit by a spider. I got bit by a pig. I got <laughs> No, no, he, he, yeah, he got bit by a radioactive pig and turned into a spider. <laughs> it's like, what? Wait a minute. I was a spider. I got bit by a pig. <laughs> I love that. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with Spider-Ham and I did not see that coming. Yeah, well Spider-Man is was one of my childhood uh loves. It was definitely mm-hmm. You know, I was Superman, Batman, and Spider Man, the the big three for me, and uh, which are probably the big three for a lot of people. But uh, yeah, I just loved it, and I mean, I've always been fascinated by uh, the secret identity and all that stuff. So I was just just loved it, and uh, I've actually been reading some of the. It inspired me to read some of the, um, some of the alternate history comics, which are quite good, actually. Yeah, I need to do that too because I've been meaning to, but I haven't. The, the fact you're doing it, I think, is motivation. I'm going to do that. <laughs> the uh, I don't know if you have uh, if your tablet is big enough to do that, but um, the uh, was it? the Marvel Unlimited app is great because it's got all the it's got all the spider things on it, and you can pay nine ninety nine and just uh, look into that. Read to your heart's content. Yeah, that might be a thing for me. Okay. Yeah, Marvel Unlimited is a is a good thing. Did you see the what I was talking about when we discussed it previously about the art? No, I don't remember. Tell me again about how the art would change from Spider from Spider Man to Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so they say, so yeah, that was something that was really cool um, from a technical point of view. They basically each Spider, uh, each Spider. I don't want to say Spider Man because they weren't all men, but each Spider person. They weren't all persons. Spider, <laughs> you knew that was they coming. People either, yeah. Each spider creature was uh, kind of had their own unique animation style that was kind of based on the comic that they were, you know, that they were in. And yeah, some of the animation was fifteen frames per second, which is, or I'm sorry, not fifteen frames per second, uh, twelve frames. Normal motion picture film is twenty four frames per second. So when they do animation, they they say either on the ones or on the twos, and by that they mean every frame gets a you know is 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 animated or every other frame is animated and they kind of repeat the same frame so a lot of the it was really cool how they mixed it all together cuz like sometimes the background was at 24 frames per second mm-hmm. but then the characters in the in the foreground were at 12 frames per second like i think spider ham was one that they did on the twos so it was a, kind of his motion was a little more jerky more looney tunes like peter parker was all kind of full 3d lush kind of stuff um so that was really yeah so then they kind of all had a different style i loved what they did too there's uh in filmmaking there's this techno there's a a term called a depth of field which is basically what things are in focus um and 
when and when in normal filmmaking you see the background kind of becomes blurry when things are out of focus in this movie though or yeah in this movie instead of making the background blurry what they did is they kind of did this color separation for things that were supposed to be out of focus which matched kind of the bad registration that the 1960s comic books had you know where you look at the comic book and the blue would be off yeah, a little yeah. bit and the red would be off the other direction so that was really cool because everything that was kind of out of focus was you know register it was a change in registration so it's like just really insane it's like you fell into a comic that, yeah it re- yeah it really did feel like it was a you know i mean they say oh this movie looks like it's a comic book it's like no this is like really like a comic book i mean it was like better than like sin city or some of those other highly stylized comic book movies now it was great i loved every part of it i'm with you on that i i thought i thought their message the whole idea of you know anybody can be spider-man yeah it's like you know uplifting i think (laughs) and i love spider gwen (laughs) yeah spider gwen she was great yeah I don't know. What else? What did you think? What else did you notice that you really loved? I was sort of just immersed in it. And, I, and you covered the stuff because I mentioned the, the, the animation style. I didn't know your your detail. I knew you would see it and get a lot more out of it than I did. But I noticed it. And it was like, man, they went to a lot of trouble to make this feel like a comic book. Except, you know, it, people listening to this are thinking, oh, that's like a comic book. So it's more like a cheesy Saturday night a Saturday morning cartoon, but it's actually the opposite is that they actually put a, a ton of work that the other animations don't put into it in order to make, give it that feel. And it just made the yeah. whole thing just come alive. Right, right. Exactly. It's almost like the, the other movies that have kind of tried to take that comic book style. It's almost like they use that as a shortcut Yeah. to, or, or, you know, and it doesn't, but this was, no, this is not a shortcut. They spent a lot of extra time on stuff that I don't think a lot of people are going to notice and which is kind of awesome. They might, if I noticed it, if I noticed, I don't have the words for it, but I noticed it. Right. That's, and that's kind of what I meant. It's kind of like those things where you look at it and you go, wow, this is really cool and interesting. And maybe you don't know exactly specifically what it is that's making you feel a certain way, but having all, it's kind of like when you go to Disney World and, uh, this is not a Disney movie. This is Sony, Sony, uh, Sony Pictures. But when, like, when you go to Disney World and you just look around and there's like all these extra details that they've put everywhere, it's like a little mouse on the other side of this one post that no one, is probably going to see, but there's just so many of those things that everybody's going to notice something and they're going to sit there and go, Oh wow. They really went over and above and beyond on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So it was great. All right, cool. Well, uh, in one of our future episodes, we'll talk about, uh, some other movies cause we love watching movies and we love to, I love watching movies and love talking about them. And, uh, but we're going to move on right now to what's been good this fortnight. Or what has not been good this fortnight, as uh, as you choose. Um, Dave, you want to start us off? Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll split it. I'll say what's good is uh, this week I'm going to say pseudoephedrine's a good thing. Because <laughs> um, what's bad is that there's a billion mutations of the common cold virus, and I've had the distinct pleasure of having two different variations in the last month 
and uh, one of them required uh, cough syrup, and then uh, this most recent one, I had to use a decongestant, and they were completely different colds, and uh, it's very interesting from you know an analysis perspective, but they both sucked. <laughs> the bottom line analysis, it blows. Yeah, but I would I would take the second one over the first one. Um, the first one is what what's leaving myself and probably Carney with the uh, extended cough. The second one, uh, you know, your nose just runs for a while, and it's it's really a very small deal after you experience the first one. So yeah, I'll second that. My what's been good is I just can't shake this damn thing. I've been coughing for almost a month now, and I'm. I'm reaching the go to the doctor, grab him by the lapels and say, drug me. <laughs> you know, I don't even care if it fixes the problem anymore as long as I'm not present. <laughs> so you don't really want drugs to treat the problem. You just want drugs to knock you out. <laughs> right. I want drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Make me not feel anything. <laughs> I said, I, I, the coughing was forcing me to take some Robitussin just so I could get some sleep and I was reintroduced to the fact that I have very idios- idiosyncratic reactions to Robitussin. Is that I started having these weird floating off the ground kind of feelings, and it, yeah, it hasn't been fun. <laughs> well, and the other problem is the next most common thing, and it's because by prescription, is they're going to give you codeine, and I don't think that works for you either. Oh, no, that's actually the opposite. Codeine for me works all too well. All right, so we're going to put down drugs are good for both of you guys. Yeah, yeah. More <laughs> drugs, more drugs. <laughs> more drugs. Oh, there's our podcast title right there. <laughs> Episode 14, More Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to say I've got two, I've got two. Uh one is a show we've been watching on Netflix uh called Lucifer, which is uh based on the character is created by Neil Gaiman for the Sandman comics. Uh, Lucifer, of course, is the devil, and uh, he—it's a—it's—it's kind of one of those shows. It's—it's it's really strange. It's uh, Lucifer, the devil, Neil Gaiman. Neil—it's not—and and Neil Gaiman doesn't have anything to do with the actual show, just as a. But he did create the comic books that the Lucifer comic book was uh, spun off from. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Lucifer is the devil. And yes, he helps a cop solve murders on the show, which sounds completely ridiculous. And it is, but it's really fun. And the guy who plays Lucifer is amazing and is worth watching just for him. Yes, my wife just said to me, uh, you have to kind of suspend logic <laughs> when you watch this show because it, uh, it doesn't. There's a, there, it's not exactly like a, a documentary on police procedure, but it's really funny and, and, and quite interesting. So if you, if, you, if you watch the first episode and you'll know pretty quickly whether it's a, it's a show that you're going to like. And then the other thing that has been good is uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Now, this came out, oh, I don't know several months ago uh, in uh, mid to late uh, 2018 and I've been playing it lately it's a huge game uh, I have it for Xbox one and uh, it's kind of ancient Greece and you get to run around and and uh, participate in the Peloponnesian War uh, fighting for both the Spartans and uh, the uh, um, Athenians Athenians thank you um, and uh, so it's really fun though it's really well written. 
it's great to see. It's great to have a, a one of these big AAA games that is so well written and the characters are so, uh, I guess, real for lack of a better a better term. So those two things have been good this fortnight. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can contact us, uh, dedicated nerds at dedicated nerds on Twitter or dedicated nerds at gmail.com or visit the website dedicatednerds.net. Thanks for joining us and uh, good night, everybody. And good night, Dave. Good night, Al. Good night, Carney. Good night. Bye. <laughs>